Are there any IU fans in the room this morning? Any IU basketball fans? I'm not an IU basketball fan, but uh, man, what an incredible day. And I don't have a stand, so I'm going to steal this one. Hope Allie knows her music. Um, Hey, it is Christmas time, and I want to just say Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, We love having you here with us, whether you attend Genesis regularly or uh, maybe you're kind of getting back into things with it uh, it being Christmas and all of that. Um, Christmas time, uh, it means presents, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it means gifts. And I was thinking this past week of some of my all-time favorite Christmas gifts that I've ever received, but I know that you probably have some too. Uh, you've got a favorite Christmas gift, right? You'll look back, whether it was when you were as a kid or a little bit older or maybe even recently. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you real quick? What, what's the all-time best Christmas gift you've ever received? Just do that real quick with somebody around you. All-time best Christmas gifts. Who, who, who's got one? Uh, shout it out. Best Christmas gifts ever. A boombox. Yes. All right. What else? A tutu? Really? Okay. Yeah. What else? Who else has got a great Christmas gift? Florida with family? Yes. Florida, wintertime, Christmas time. It sounds good, doesn't it? Anybody else? One more? Yes. A llama. You got a llama. All right. Yes, Lizzie, she got a, a llama. Best Christmas gifts ever. Well, again, I was thinking back this past week uh, about some of my all-time favorite Christmas gifts. I was thinking back to when I was a kid because we, we've all hopefully got some great Christmas presents we remember receiving as a kid. And for me, uh, the, how about this? The G.I. Joe fighter jet. All right. I mean, this, this was a big deal, all decked out, lots of decals, really cool. I remember uh, another great gift that I received as a kid was the Legoland Airport. All right. Lots of pieces, you know, putting all those together took forever. Isn't it amazing though now? I think Legos are the biggest conspiracy around because the box makes it look like this huge picture and then it's like a quarter of the size when you finally put it together, but it costs costs a lot. I remember receiving another gift as a teen. And if you're 30 years of age and younger, you're not going to know what I'm talking about when I say this, but, but if you were around my time or whatever, you remember when it was a big deal to get sweats all right, and I'm not, they didn't call them hoodies then, all right, but you got a, a hooded sweatshirt and a hooded sweat, and, or not hooded sweatpants, those would be weird, but uh, sweat, <laughs> but sweatpants, uh, and your name w- w- was on them. You had your first name on the back, and you had your last name down the leg. Anybody ever, anybody ever get anything like that? A few of you? Yeah? Yeah, really cool, all right, really cool stuff. I, I, remember, I remember getting those. I remember a few years back, I got a really cool Christmas gift, and you're going to think I'm weird, but my mother-in-law got me a bunch of wood hangers. And, and the crazy thing was that I had asked for them because they make my clothes hang all nice and neat in the closet, and I put them all in the same direction. So I've got all these wood hangers, and, and I'm a little weird. At, yeah, there's a little OCD in it, but uh, these really cool hangers. But, but this is a good one, too. A few years ago, my father-in-law for Christmas got me the DVD, The Mummy Returns. All right, now it's comical for a couple of reasons. One, I've never seen The Mummy, never talked about it in my entire life, and still haven't seen it to this day. So I got The Mummy Returns, but here's the best part. I have two brother-in-laws, and they each opened up a DVD from my father-in-law before me. And when it finally got to me, The Mummy Returns with a big sticker on the front that said, buy two DVDs, get The Mummy Returns for free. All right? Isn't that great? 
And uh, so, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the Christmas gifts that I, uh, that I received. But we, we all love gifts. We all love presents. You know, you, you've got a bunch of stories and memories of opening up gifts as a kid. You've maybe got kids now, and they're all excited about Christmas Day. And, and one of the things that comes with that is Santa Claus and uh, writing letters to Santa Claus. I came across there's a book that's been written, a collection of letters that kids uh, wrote to Santa Claus. And, and thought I'd share a couple of these uh, letters with you uh, this morning. Uh, this one says, Dear Santa, you didn't bring me anything good last year. You didn't bring me anything good the year before either. This is your last chance, Alfred. Isn't that great? The second note is this. Uh, Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live in our house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. There's David, he's four. And Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey's good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I'm Norman, all right? Aren't those great? Hey, if you've got your Bibles, uh, would you take them out right now? I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Go right to the New Testament, first book. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, if you do the smartphone thing, if you do version, we'll give you permission to do that. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give one to you as a gift, and we've got a number of those back at the Info Hub. Uh, take one with you as you go today. Uh, it's yours. There's not some like sensor or GPS tracking device on it or anything to make sure that you read it, but, but take it and, and read it and bring it with you uh, to church on Sundays. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 for a while and then skip over to Matthew 2. And, and, and while you're doing that, while you're getting there, let me ask you this question. When you think about Christmas, uh, when you think about the holidays, when you think about this season, uh, what's one word that immediately comes to mind for you? Anybody willing? Shout shout it out. Joy, all right. Santa, Santa, okay. What else? What is that? Family. Family, all right. And and maybe it's like amazing or uh, traditions or memories, or happiness, but, but maybe for you it's the other side of the spectrum, all right? When you think of Christmas, you think of shopping, or uh, traffic, or bills, or uh, hectic, or, or maybe you, or maybe you know some people, and they would say, you know, one big hassle, right? I mean, you know people like that? I mean, you know people that say, hey, all I'm trying to do is survive the month of December. If, if we can just get through December and we can get on to January, then everything will be okay. I mean, let, let's just be honest. We've got some Christmas Scrooges out there, all right? Some people that really have difficult with this time of the year. Um, but for some, uh, Christmas is nothing more than a, a letdown year after year. And maybe that's kind of for you because in your mind, you've got this peaceful scene. Uh, you, you see a Norman Rockwell painting and you think, you know, that's what Christmas ought to be. It ought to be snow and sleigh rides and family coming together and everybody's in a good mood and lots of peace and, and everyone is healthy. No tears, no stress. But, but let's be realistic, right? I mean, let, let's just call it for what it is. I mean, Christmas can be a crazy, hectic, you know, chaotic, mixed up, You know, everything just seems to be a little out of control time of the year. And last week we talked about, we opened this untold story series talking about how Christmas is a lot like a war story. I mean, it really is that Jesus was born into a world, a world that's very much at war. And while the war has been won today, uh, the battles continue. I mean, we continue to face those same battles. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, I'd encourage you to go to our website and have a listen. But today I want to talk with you about another element uh, from the Christmas story, another perspective uh, that I think is important for us to keep in mind uh, in a season like this. I I want to talk with you about how Christmas, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, how the Christmas story is a really pretty messy story. 
the Christmas story is a messy story. And, and I hope that you'll be encouraged today to find that that first Christmas, uh, this Christmas story that we read about in Scripture really is a messy story. It's a little mixed up. Uh, it's a little chaotic. Uh, it, it, it's a little hectic. Um, maybe more like your Christmas and my Christmas than, than, than we like to think. You know, because sometimes as you think about what's going on in your life and going on in your family's life at a time of the year like this, you'll say, you know what, it really is pretty messy. Um, and, and if you don't believe that the first Christmas is messy, let's, let's just kind of take a look at this story together. If you're in Matthew chapter 1, let's start in verse 18. Here's what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found to be with child. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just stop there for a second. I mean, do you think that this pregnancy made Mary's life easier or more difficult? All right? Let's just say that it's going to make it more difficult. I mean, here's this young girl in Mary. She is barely a teenager. Uh, some believe that she may have been as young as 13 years of age, living in a culture uh, very different than ours, and she's pregnant, she's not married, and all we know, we all know, right, that gossip, you know, especially in a small town, spreads really fast. You know, and that's the case here with Mary. Everyone knows. They all know Mary. They all know her family. I mean, there is no way that she has any chance whatsoever of hiding this pregnancy. It kind of reminds me when when Jenny and I were first married, we were living in Anderson. My wife's a nurse, and she was working in the ER at the time. And she's got a lot of great ER stories, especially uh, third shift ER stories. And this one particular night, this teenage girl came in with her mom. The teenage girl was having some abdominal pains. Well, what she didn't know or realize, or maybe she did, was that she was actually going into labor. And what was the surprise to her mother is that she had no idea that her daughter was pregnant and had been hiding it almost the full term of this particular pregnancy. I mean, uh, she had hid the pregnancy up to this point. You know, Mary, she's got no chance of hiding this pregnancy whatsoever. I mean, the word's going to get around. And what's the local opinion? Scandalous. I mean, this is really a scandal. I mean, you can hear what people are saying. Now, I mean, can you believe it? I mean, she's not even married. You know, whose child is this? But the reality is that this news wasn't only affecting Mary, but it's affecting her fiancé, Joseph, too. Verse 19 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, verse 18 if you go back for just a moment, says that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, you need to understand the traditions that surrounded um, these ancient Jewish marriages. Before, before anyone was married, uh, two families would come together and agree to a union of their children, and, and they would negotiate what was called the betrothal. There, there was an exchange of money. There was an exchange of money from the groom's family uh, to the bride's family, and next followed a public announcement a public announcement that they were pledged, sort of like our engagement, to be married uh, to one another. And so at this point, the couple was not officially married, but their relationship could only come to an end, could only be dissolved through death or through a divorce. Now, Mary and Joseph were in this case. They were pledged to be married. They were engaged. They had not yet, as verse 18 says, come together, meaning there had been no sexual relations yet at this point. Uh, But the two and their families had entered this binding agreement that typically lasted a year. And then finally, the couple was married. But now that Mary's pregnant, Joseph's got a decision to make. 
because she broke the rules. They, they had not yet come together again, as verse 18 says. But I want you to notice, and the Bible says that he was a righteous man, and we even see this in his actions, that he wants to do the right thing here. I mean, they're engaged. They have not yet consummated this marriage. And so Joseph is going to try and quietly bring it to an end to avoid embarrassment for as many people as possible. Now, I, I just want to point out, I mean, can you imagine the conversations that Joseph is having? I mean, with other people, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what happened here. I mean, she said something about the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I don't know what I believe about anything. All I know is this. We haven't been messing around, all right? But she's pregnant. She's pregnant. And talk about messy. I mean, talk about chaos. I mean, talk about a hassle. And again, notice that Joseph is going to do the right thing. He doesn't want to humiliate Mary, even though he's got rights and he's got reasons to be furious, especially in this particular culture. But he makes this arrangement to dissolve the engagement quietly, again, hopefully minimizing the disgrace or the embarrassment, especially on Mary. And I just want you to see it. I just want you to see the mess that Mary and Joseph and their families find themselves in. I mean, you know, is the Christmas story messy? Yeah, it's messy. I mean, this first story was a messy story. Again, just look at the life of Mary and Joseph and, and look at the garbage that they've got to go through. And, and that just brings me to a point that I think is so important for you and I to embrace at a time of the year like this. And again, if you're taking notes, write this down. Um, Christmas can be a time of hassle. I mean, it can be a hassle. It can be hectic. It can be chaotic. It can be a little mixed up for you and me. I mean, whatever you want, whatever word fills the blank, fits the blank, best for you. You know, Christmas can be like that. And as a result, it can bring out the, be- the, the worst in people. I mean, listen to Ebenezer Scrooge's words from Charles Dickens, uh, The Christmas Carol. He says, what's Christmas time to you but a time of paying bills without money, a time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. The ever-famous Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, does anybody know anybody like that? You're sitting next to someone like that right now, giving them an elbow uh, to the side or something? You know, it's like the story that I heard about a woman who was out shopping in a shopping mall at Christmas on a Saturday in December. I, I don't know why anyone would ever put themselves through something like that, but uh, her hands are full of purchases. Uh, she's obviously done for the day, and she fights her way into this jam-packed elevator and just in fury in front of everyone else says, you know, whoever's responsible for this holiday ought to be hung and shot, you know, and, and some little guy in the back says, well, Jesus, I'm sure, and pretty much, you know, he was crucified, uh, you know, for that. But, you know, isn't it true? I mean, for a bunch of people, Christmas is one big hassle. You know, and the first Christmas had some hassle behind it, a little hectic too. And, and for Mary and Joseph, the hassle didn't end with the news of this pregnancy. It was just the beginning. I mean, not long after uh, the pregnancy is discovered, the emperor of Rome of the world at this time made every Israelite return to their hometown uh, for a census. Now, what's a census? Well, it means, let's just call it what it is, that there's going to be a tax. And so for Joseph and for Mary, they're discovering that they've got this unexpected bill that now is going to have to be paid and they've got to make this long trip to Bethlehem. They, they've got bills they weren't expecting to pay and, and travels they weren't expecting either, but they're on their way and, and we'll all have those unexpected bills, right? I mean, we, we spend and we spend and we spend at Christmas and uh, it may not show itself before Christmas, but January will come. 
uh, the visa man will find you. I mean, he takes very good records, and he's going to come. And, and well, I, don't, I don't remember spending this money. I don't, I don't remember spending all of this or running up these charges. I mean, we'll, we'll all have these unexpected bills that will come. Well, like Mary and Joseph, you know, we've all got trips, too, and there's lots of traveling that goes on uh, around Christmas time. You know, Jenny and I and the kids, uh, we traveled to my parents' house for Thanksgiving just a few weeks ago. And, and, and i got to tell you a funny story. We on our way, we stopped in Illinois uh, to eat dinner at a Culver's. And we had finished eating dinner, and Kate and Jenny were getting a refill or something, and my job was to take the boys to the bathroom. And so um, I followed the boys. I mean, they're big enough to, to kind of lead their own way. I followed the boys, and we walked into the bathroom, and they met, went immediately into the stalls. And, and, and what I'm telling you right now is I, I wish you could really just have been in my head at that moment because I was standing there in the middle of this restroom, and the thought that went through my mind was, where are the urinals? Um, and why are there so many stalls in here? And, and then it only took about another quarter of a second before I realized I'm in the women's restroom. And, uh, and I'll tell you what I did. I did what any good dad would do in that moment. I, am, I abandoned my children. I walked, I figured, you know, they can get by with this. You know, this is acceptable. They're young. I walked out of the bathroom and immediately uh, into the men's restroom. It was funny when I came out of the men's restroom, both of my boys were standing up there. We were in the women's restroom, dad. I was like, I, yeah, I know, I know. So it was kind of funny. But so we were on the road for Thanksgiving. We celebrated Christmas with my family while we were there because of all of our upcoming services here at Genesis and other family to see. You know, it just worked out best to, to do uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving all at once with, with my parents this year. And many of you know what that's like. You, you've got a lot of traveling ahead of you. And and, you know, you, you know that you've got Christmas dinner this year at his side of the families because last year you did Christmas meal at her side of the families. And so you'll do the real Christmas meal with his family this year. And then you're going to do the, the sort of we're not really hungry, but we'll eat anyways meal with her family this year. But the problem is that so-and-so can't be there at what's usually the three o'clock meal. And so they've got to back it up, which means you've got to back up mom's, you know, five o'clock meal to six o'clock. But we've always eating at five o'clock we've never eaten at six o'clock in all of history and and so you're you're trying to anybody know what that's like i mean you're trying to keep everybody happy and we're traveling and we're doing all these things and and like mary and joseph we've got trips and traveling ahead of us and and uh, again, you know, Jenny and I know what that's like too. And so Joseph and Mary, they've got this travel. They've got this trip that they hadn't planned on. And so they're on their way to Bethlehem and they get to the motel and they discover that there's no room, but that's not going to keep baby Jesus from coming. All right. He, he's ready to be born. And, and let's just be a little realistic here. They head out back and, and there's a stable of sorts, which was probably a cave. And, and what does a stable mean? Well, it means that there are animals and feeding troughs and straw and hay. And what comes when you put all those things together? Dookie. Yes. I mean, that's what you get. I mean, uh, you heard it here at Genesis this morning. You heard the word dookie. Uh, You know, this is a dirty place. And and ladies, what else? No epidurals. All right. There are no epidurals here. There's no sterile equipment. There are no doctors around. You know, the baby is on his way in this dirty stable. And, you know, you can only imagine what was going through Mary's mind. But come on, fellas. I mean, what was going through Joseph's mind? I mean, what in the world is going on here? I mean, what have we gotten ourselves into what did we sign up for well the baby's born uh, and time passes maybe months maybe as many as a couple of years they're still in bethlehem let's skip over now to matthew chapter 2 verse 13 it says this when they had gone these are the wise men an angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream and said get up he said take the child and his mother and escape to egypt 
Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, we don't know exactly how long it had been. You know, maybe Jesus is finally sleeping through the night, all right? We can get an amen from all the moms and dads in the rooms of, of knowing that's like. But we don't, we don't know how long it had been. But one night, God speaks to Joseph in a dream and says, hey, you're being transferred, all right? You, you need to get your family and escape to Egypt immediately. Now, now some of you know how hard a move is. Uh, some of you know how hard it is to move with kids. I remember when we moved here three years ago, we had a two-month-old, you know, and that was challenging enough, moving to a new town and all, you know. But the thing with Mary and Joseph is they're not going home. Uh, they're not going back to anything that's familiar. They're not going back to family. They're not going back to a support network. They are on their way. They're running for their lives to a foreign country with a baby. I just want you to see some of the messiness and the hassle that is involved in the first Christmas story. I mean, can, can you see it? I mean, can you see how there, there's a big hassle here? You know, you and I, we really shouldn't be surprised when Christmas for us uh, really becomes a, a big hassle. I mean, it was a hassle then, and, and it really doesn't take much for it to feel like a hassle today. I mean, you've got decorations, and you've got gifts to buy, and the parties to attend, and families to see, and traffic, and travels, and again, those unexpected bills. And and all these come with Christmas. And oh yeah, you've still got just all the other normal, everyday things that are going on in life too. Like end of the year demands at work. You know, or, or maybe the possibility that you will be transferred in 2012 or, or even let go. Uh, some of you, you've just moved here and you're still getting familiar with this community. And your kids are trying to adjust. And, and maybe you're trying to find a church and all. Maybe you find yourself in a place right now where you're pregnant, but there's some complications uh, with that pregnancy. Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant for a, for a long time and it still hasn't happened. And you know what that means, that you're going to go into another Christmas and there are going to be all the questions. Hey, how come you're not pregnant yet? Um, maybe you've got some kids that are going through some real frustrating times in their life. I mean, you know, there, there's a big hassle going on in and around your life. And, and just kind of a reminder today that sometimes we, we need to slow down. And we need to take a big step back from, you know, the high pace, the, the fast pace that we live in. You know, add to that this Christmas season. And, and we need to take encouragement from, from the Word of God. You know, and there are many places to look. But what about this one? You know, when Christmas feels like one big hassle, Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Just the first sentence there in that verse. To be still. The reminder for you and me to build, be still and know that he is God. You know, it is so easy to get overwhelmed and we want to lose our minds, but how important to be reminded to be still, to take some time to slow down, even in a season like this. Be still and be reminded that he's God. And, and that might be a great verse to keep in mind this week as maybe you discover that the money is a little tight and you're feeling that pressure financially to be still and know that he is God. Or maybe for you, there's a lot of anxiety or anticipation of a reunion, you know, with a family member that you have no desire to see. That reminder to be still and know that he is God. You know, maybe you're getting ready for finals and you know that you need a really good week. Maybe you need to take a moment today or this week and be reminded to be still and know that he is God. You know, when we feel the stress, when we feel the tension, when we start to see Christmas as nothing more than one big hassle, it might be time to stop, be reminded, be still, and know that He is God.
Another important principle for us to embrace at a time of the year like this is that Christmas uh, can be a time of hurt. Uh, It can be a time of pain. We know that pain doesn't take a holiday, does it? Uh, It doesn't take any time off. And Christmas can be a very painful time of the year. Uh, Sometimes it's due to the grief of losing a loved one, maybe a mom or dad or a sibling or a really good friend uh, over the past year. Maybe it's the painful reminder of, of the divorce or... Uh, the reminder that you're still single. Sometimes it's the reminder that you've got a sick kid, you know, or that you're sick. Uh, Christmas can be a painful time for military families, you know, who uh, have men and women uh, who are off serving the country. Uh, Christmas is not only a hassle for some, but it's a painful time too. And when there's hurt, and when this hurt seems to be a consistent theme in your life, uh, you can't help but wonder, you know, God, why does there have to be pain? Why does there have to be hurt? you know, at a time like Christmas. Well, the Bible is full of stories of pain and suffering. We, we talked about these some last week. There was a, a lot of hurt in Israel, specifically in Bethlehem, around that first Christmas. And as we mentioned last week, Herod was the king of Israel. Uh, he was a real lunatic, uh, a paranoid type of king. He killed his own sons. He killed family members. He killed wives. He was all about protecting his position. And when he hears that there's a baby that's been born in Bethlehem, one that people are referring to as the king of the Jews, well, let's just say it was the real tipping point for Herod. And so he tries to find out where and when this baby was born. And then he issues a horrible decree. Again, this is an important detail in the story that's often left untold. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, these are the wise men, He was furious and he gave orders to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And so Herod's men, these soldiers, get these orders to go into Bethlehem. And based on what we know from history, Bethlehem was a community, a village of anywhere from 300 to maybe as many as 1,000 people. And so some estimate as many as 12 to 20 children were executed during this horrible rampage. And, and again, as we said, can you, can you imagine? Can you just even imagine what that would have been like, you know, as a, as a mother, a father, a brother, sister, uncle, grandparent, whatever it be, to have a child ripped from your hands and, and to watch them be slaughtered before your eyes? I mean, there was a lot of hurt and pain in this community, in this village of Bethlehem. And we know that with pain and, and with confusion like this come all sorts of questions. You know, same sorts of questions that we ask about hurt and pain, you know, today. You know, Christmas is a time of hurt for many. But the good news is that hurt isn't the end of the story. It's not the end of the story, you know. And, and I don't know about you, but as a pastor, as a Christian, I wish I had all the answers. I mean, I I wish I knew why people had to endure what they endure and and why there's pain associated with life and and even serving Christ or pain that you see in your loved one's lives. But I I don't know. And I want you to know that it's okay to have questions. I mean, if you're coming in here today and you know I've got all sorts of questions and they better get answered, it's okay to have these questions. I've got questions and I'll tell you that I'm holding out hope that we'll get all of our questions answered one day. But, but I think about the time, the times that I anticipate going as a pastor and sitting with people that are hurting. And, and I remember specifically one time I was on my way to the hospital to be with a young couple who had just lost their baby. And just some of the pain and the anxiety for me that came with that is I knew I was going to sit with this couple and wondering, you know, what will I say? How will I answer their questions? You know, how can I possibly defend this? But But you know what I've discovered in ministry? You know what I've discovered in sitting with hurting people is that they're not always looking for answers. 
They're just looking for someone to be with them and to love them and just to be present, you know, that they're looking for support and they're looking for people that will love them. I, I just want you to remember this, you know, whether it's you or you've got friends right now or family members that are hurting, you know, going through some tough times. I mean, there are a lot of hurting people, right, around you, around us at these times. Just remember that your presence can be such an encouragement to someone else. I mean, that God can use you. He can use your presence in such an amazing way uh, to encourage others. And I don't want you to worry about saying the right things. I don't want you to worry about answers that you need or you must have or or what you're going to do for them. But just that reminder of the importance of showing up in people's lives and being present. You know, we talk about being a church of hope, you know, for this community. You know, who are those people around you where you can just show up in their life and be present and and do something for them? Uh, You know, I think about this... uh, Jenny and I have some really good friends. They live in Ohio, and earlier this year they they had twins. And it was a lot of fun for them, but uh, their two little girls had some complications early on after delivery, and one girl in particular spent weeks uh, in a children's hospital in Columbus, Ohio, and thankfully they're both doing great today. But while they had been in the hospital, I think for as many as five or six weeks, Jenny and I made a trip over to Columbus to visit them, and we were sitting and talking to them, and you could just see how exhausted they were, and they were trusting, and, and we asked them about people helping, and we just had some real honest conversations with them, and they, they said, you know what's been hardest for us is that we're grateful that we have so many people around us who say, hey, let us know if we can do something for you. And they said what we really needed was for people to just show up and do something for us. And I think those words will always stick with me. And and I know that we're genuine. We say, hey, let us know. Let me know if I can do something for you. But just that reminder how important it is, even at a season like this, to show up in people's lives and just do something for them. And and I think, you know, what an encouragement that is. You know, we've, we've got a great team here called Helping Hands and that help provide meals to families in our church and even beyond our church, of people that are going through really difficult times. Again, it's about showing up and doing something for others. And, and I heard stories yesterday of all the connection groups and people that went over uh, to the fairgrounds here. They said something like ten to 15,000 people came to the fairgrounds uh, for a big Christmas event that Good Samaritan puts on where they help to provide gifts for families that are in need. And we had a bunch of people from Genesis, go serve coffee and hot chocolate and donuts. Again, just showing up and doing something for people. We, this past week, delivered over 250 gifts uh, that you helped provide to Christmas at the Creek, to Deer Creek Community Church, and for a big Christmas event that they put on. And to think that a number of families showed up yesterday and, and that there were so many that came to serve as a way of just doing something, uh, of bringing hope, of bringing it to comfort uh, to other people's lives. You know, God has a way of using your presence uh, in the life of hurting people. And and there are a lot of hurting people around us now, and they don't need answers. They don't need a know-it-all that's going to show up and say, hey, here's what you need, and here are five verses that you need to memorize and get over yourself. I mean, is that what you want when you're hurting? No, you want people that come around you and love you and are present and who don't judge you, just someone to be with you. I mean, Christmas can be a painful time, and, and, and that's why we have to remember we have a great opportunity to see as in a season like this to reach out to people who are hurting relationally and financially and emotionally. And I think be reminded, too, and this is the second half of that blank if you're taking notes uh, in, in your program, is that while Christmas is a time of hurt, Christmas is also a great time to bring, bring comfort. Christmas is a great time where people can be comforted. 
And we're also reminded of verses like these. Look at this one, Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 and 19. A great reminder for all of us, a great verse to share. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. You know, the Bible never promised that we would live hurt-free lives. Uh, It never promised that we would live uh, pain-free lives, that we would escape troubles and battles, but but we can latch on to promises like these, this reminder that God is always close and He is always present. And then when we suffer trials, we don't have to be afraid because He's close, He's with us, and He has promised that He will rescue us. And you can be encouraged with words like these that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And if you're here today, and you find your heart to be broken right now, that God is close and that He is there and He is waiting. And maybe He's just waiting for you to call out to Him right now. And He's promised that He'll help us. He's promised that He will respond and deliver us. Christmas can be a time of hassle. It can be a time of hurt. The last thing is this, that Christmas can be our time of hope. Christmas can be our great time of hope. You know, you've got all of these things pressing in against you today. You know what they are. I don't need to try and name them. You know, again, it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be challenges in your marriage. I want you to be reminded this morning that this Christmas can be a great time of hope in your life. For you, Christmas really changes everything. Look at Matthew chapter 2, last verse here, verses 19 and 20. It says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Remember this family, they had to escape to Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. You know, Mary and Joseph and their baby have been right in the middle of this battle for maybe years now. And they're on their run trying to protect the baby, trying to survive. I mean, they've got a real mess that they're dealing with here. And and again, I don't know what your mess is all about today. I don't know what it looks like, you know, maybe your marriage is a mess. Maybe your kids are going through some really difficult times. They don't respect you. Maybe there's some concerns over work or whether you're going to have enough money to retire in this next year. I want you to notice that even in the mess of Mary and Joseph's life, did you notice that Jesus outlived Herod? That Jesus outlives Herod. I mean, he survives the threats. You know, Mary and Joseph and the baby, their lives were spared. They survived because God had a plan. God had a plan all the way from the very beginning that even though Mary and Joseph are caught up in this mess of a life, on the run, survival, they had hope. And their hope was that the baby, Jesus Christ, had been born. You know, Christmas reminds us that in Jesus we have hope. That He is Jesus Christ, He is God's Son, He is the Messiah, as, as Isaiah proclaimed, He is the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the one that God sent into the world. It was God's plan that this baby would be born, and that He would live His life, give His life, and then we would celebrate His resurrection and the eternal life, the hope that has been offered to every single one of us. You know, th- this past week, I got a phone call, and when I picked it up, it was my six-year-old boy, Luke. And uh, it didn't take long to, to realize who it was, as, you know, that little six-year-old voice uh, talking over the phone. And it's not uncommon for him to call once in a while. But I said, well, hey, Luke, how are you doing today? And, and these were the words that came from his mouth. Daddy, I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart. 
And uh, I'll tell you that as a parent, as parents, my wife and I, we've got great hopes and dreams for our kids. We want them to do well in school, be healthy, you know, give their all to everything they do. Hope they go to college and get a job and get rich and support mom and dad one day, uh, you know, get married and have a family. But I'll tell you that the greatest prayer that we have for our children is that they will invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I mean, for my boy Luke, Jesus Christ is his hope. And no one will ever take that away. And if you've invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've trusted him, you need to be reminded this morning that he is your hope. And no one can take that hope from you. And this Christmas can be a great reminder of the hope that you have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and you're looking at the mess of life that you're living right now, Jesus is your hope. He is the greatest decision you could ever make with your life. And I want you to know that He's available to you today. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you on this day today and, and we just acknowledge that life can get a little messy, can get a little hectic at times. Uh, we're thankful for these reminders this morning that even that first Christmas was a mess, but in spite of the mess, you had a plan. Uh, Jesus Christ came into this world just as you had written, just as you had spoken, Father. And that Jesus Christ, he truly is our hope. He is our hope for all the world. He is the hope for my life. And uh, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, I, I want you to be encouraged today and reminded that He is your hope and that, you know, your life in Him, His life in you changes everything. And I pray that you'd be reminded of that today. I pray that you would find time in your life, whether it be this afternoon or tomorrow morning or sometime in the busyness this, of this week, to just step back for a moment, step out of the, of the race, the hassle, and and be still and know that he's God. He's the God of your life. He is the God of your circumstances. He is the God of your mess. And he is faithful and is true. And he has a plan for you and a plan for your life. And I want you to be encouraged in that today. God, God I pray for those who find themselves in a mess today. That they would be reminded of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. And your provision and your power. And that your name will be praised in our circumstances and that you will see us through all the way to the very end. But as we pray and with every head bowed and every eye closed, we also acknowledge that there may be some here today. Maybe, maybe you came with a friend today. Maybe you haven't been in church in a long time and you don't even know why you're here, but I know why you're here today. You're here because you've never trusted, you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And I don't know why you'd put that off any longer. The hope of the world, Jesus is available to you. If you'll just simply cry out to him and say, I need you. I need you as Lord and Savior. Uh, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life and you'd like to do that today, just slip your hand up where you are right now. Uh, no one's looking around. I'm not going to call you out. But just as a way of acknowledging, I, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need him in my heart today. Just put that hand up in the air for just a moment. And as you do that, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. You are my hope and you are my life. Forgive me of my sin. Get my eyes, my life focused on you today. God, we celebrate these prayers lifted up to you today. 
We're trusting you with the work that you've started or continued here this morning, and it'll keep going even as we walk away from here. But help us keep our eyes on you as the hope of the world. Thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.